0: If you think about the current provider centric healthcare model being very tolmaic, we've designed everything around the provider and what the provider does and how often they do it and how they bill for it and how they get paid for it. But if you think about the Copernican theory as being very consumer centric and that everything should be really revolving around the consumer, you really see it in a very different way.
1: That's Julie Merchinson, Health Evolution's Chief Executive Officer, Julie's here to discuss how healthcare leaders can propel a consumer-centric industry forward. Just as Copernicus once challenged ideas of the earth as the center of all that is, tomorrow's health plans, which once revolved around providers, may soon be putting consumers in the sunlight. The Oliver Wyman Health Podcast is brought to you by the global management consulting firm Oliver Wyman. To learn more about today's episode, follow us on Twitter at OWHealthEditor visit health.oliverwyman.com and subscribe on iTunes.
2: Hello and welcome to the Oliver Wyman Health podcast. I'm Sam Glick, a partner here in the Health and Life Sciences practice at Oliver Wyman. In this episode, I'm delighted to be speaking with my friend Julie Merchinson. Julie's the chief executive officer of Health Evolution uh, and is coming uh, off of a very successful Health Evolution Summit uh, just a couple of months ago. Uh, So we'll dig in on what she's learned from that. Julie, uh, thanks for joining us today.
0: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
2: So, Julie, just uh, for our listeners, I think uh, many of them are familiar with Health Evolution, and uh, certainly many of them have attended Health Evolution Summit. But uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your organization and what you're trying to do.
0: Well, um, you know, Health Evolution is a, a little bit of a unique animal in that we are convening the leaders of the industry with a focus on really activating change. Uh, the summit brings together you know, largely CEOs and C-suites from Across the industry, so payers, providers, innovators, investors, uh, life science as well, uh, and really, you know, focusing on solutions and giving space for the leaders to really connect with each other to drive some of that change. Um, and you know, our our goal and our reason for being is uh, to really drive that change through whether it's summit conversations or some of the more female focused discussions that we have at our ConFab of Women Change Makers. Uh, we're looking at different ways. To put people together who are leading, you know, multi-trillion-dollar uh, business to um, help us make change.
2: Fabulous, and I mean, Julie. I mean, one of the things that I always enjoy about our conversations is you have this kind of catbird seat, uh, looking at what's hot and interesting in the industry and talking to all of those stakeholders in healthcare. Uh, what's on your mind lately? What are you hearing as you build that community?
0: Yeah, great question um we're really focused on um understanding what the pace of change is uh, of this community because that's what people really come together to try to understand from one another and when we look at what um we're hearing back about the pace of change uh it's it's uh growing in its intensity obviously um this thing that we call the consumer is starting to uh, really get unpacked in a way that we're understanding Um, how to think about who people are and how to actually empathize to design around them and for them. And, you know, Sam, you and I have talked um, for hours about how far we are or how close we are to that reality. But it's starting to become real from a a business model perspective when you look at all the transactions that we've seen over the last six to nine months. So I think there's, um, people are leaving the world of government rules are you know, our lives behind a little bit, seeing that the market is really starting to drive some change, super um, uh, perhaps critical about whether or not the change that's starting to happen will really happen and whether they'll really be able to implement on some of these larger transactions that we're seeing, but some hope also that uh, when CEOs of the industry can start to really conceptualize their businesses um, in... Frankly, quite different ways. Others follow suit and start to really go down that path as well. So we might just be seeing some momentum. So
2: uh, let's let's play with that a little bit. I mean, it's uh, healthcare consumerism has been a topic literally for decades, and I think a, a point of both excitement and frustration, at least for me personally. I mean, we're we're sitting here where you know there's been clinical literature about shared decision making with. Patients or consumers for nearly 50 years now. You know the the health savings account is more than 25 years old, and that was thought to bring on great consumerism. And um, you know one of the things that that has struck me is that very little has actually changed as a result of some of those initiatives. You know we e- even with the ACA coming through. You know if anything, it kind of reinforce the role of government and reinforce the role of the employer um, you know rather than putting the consumer in the the driver's seat and then you know it feels like maybe in the last couple of years um, it, there's been a bit of a, a Sort of change in tone and tenor. You know, we've seen this big CVS aetna deal happening. We've seen every retailer seemingly interested in in healthcare. We had this uh, announcement from Amazon, um, which you know is, is sort of the ultimate consumer company of the modern day. Are we there? Are we at the tipping point? Is our is our worldview finally changing? How do you think about it?
0: Um, you know, it's uh, it's funny. Um, I think we are still at this place where um, the worldview, people see what perhaps health and healthcare should look like. Um, I think we're still digging our heels in, in some areas until we're forced to get there. Um, and I think that's you know, not unlike what we've seen historically um, with other big shifts uh, in belief or philosophy. Um, and I think certainly in our case, you know, we're trying to shift an economy that's uh, larger than Germany's economy. How, how do you do that when the government takes two steps forward, one step, or maybe four steps back, and uh, we don't quite have the incentives in place where we need them to be? But tipping point, we're close.
2: So you had a great analogy the other day. I wonder if you'd share with our listeners about um, how our views evolved. Yeah.
0: Um, well, first of all, I uh, are you talking about the Ptolemaic versus Copernican yeah. solar system thing? Yeah. So first, uh, get, shout out to uh, David Cott from Healthline who planted the seed with us. Um, and in case you're not a, a scholar of ancient astrology, um, or astronomy, I should say. Um, you know, Ptolemy's followers uh, believe that the sun and the stars and the planets rotated around the earth, and that's how we thought about this for a long time. Um, but as we now all know, uh, the planets, including Earth, revolves around the sun. So how did that shift happen? Uh, so when we looked into kind of how history dealt with that change, um, Copernicus, Copernicus discovered in 1543 um, that this new reality was in his case, or in his thinking true, was really revolutionary and it challenged conventional thinking and it triggered just an avalanche of more scientific discovery. And this kind of upending, of the world um, is tough. You know, the old guard never gives up without a fight. Authorities even jail Galileo as a heretic for advancing Copernican theories that challenge the Catholic church. So we really got into this as saying, okay, so what does this have to do with healthcare? And if you think about the current provider-centric healthcare model being very Ptolemaic, we've designed everything around the provider and what the provider does and how often they do it and how they bill for it and how they get paid for it. But if you think about the Copernican theory as being very consumer centric and that everything should be really revolving around the consumer, you really see it in a very different way. And you know that kind of history shows that when stakes are high, traditionalists, like some of our big incumbents really dig in and they raise uh, you know very unforeseen consequences and making the case for you know quite incremental change, um, which perhaps is where we've been for the last, you know maybe since the ACA, if not certainly before that. Um, but now we're at the place where, uh, where we see, see some literati, if you will, um, in our industry, and those who can actually see how to organize around the consumer, design for the consumer, and actually make money—not just from the consumer, perhaps from others—to really make their business model work, but for the good of the consumer. So I love playing with this whole concept of seeing big philosophical shifts like that, and how hard it is to really, you know, move the needle and. Uh, I think that's sort of where we are right now. We're in the middle of that.
2: I love it. I love it. And I love playing with it. Thank you for sharing it. If you let me, let me keep playing with it, or at least, you know, maybe torture it a little bit. But, um, you know, it's, it's Galileo, you mentioned, was jailed for this kind of worldview um, by the authorities. And, you know, one of the questions in healthcare is, do we need new authorities? Do we actually need new people in charge or new types of people in charge? Um you know it's i was i was having a discussion with somebody the other day and um, even though Amazon is now the the world's largest, not just consumer company, but but or at least the most world's inf- world's most influential consumer company, um, you know it is it's one of the largest mail order companies if you use that kind of old language. But you don't see the C suite at Amazon populated by people who used to work at Sears Roebuck, uh, right? It's it's a different kind of company. <laughs> it's a different place. And how how do you think about healthcare leadership? I mean, can the people who run incumbents? really be the change? Or or do those organizations only change if they have different kinds of leaders?
0: It's such a great question. And I think it's the, you know, multi-billion dollar question today. Um, on a kind of philosophical level, you know, we started our compound of women change makers, as you know, um, to purely look at leadership challenges and opportunities through the lens of female executives. And, um, you know, we've looked at things like Uh, empathy. Leaders who are going to figure out the consumer and design design around the consumer will do so with incredible empathy. And leaders who uh, need to bring their employees and customers through to the other side of this. And many of these organizations will transform in major ways while many will go away, but those leaders who can get their organizations the other side will do so with intensely radical transparency. And this year we talked a lot about things like power. You know, is power a verb or a noun? We always use, not we, but humankind uses power largely in the business context as we own power, we have power, Uh, we want to get power. But we don't frequently talk about it as we use power to fuel what we know we need to be doing for our businesses or what we need to do um, to do the right thing. So you know some of these concepts um, around what the characteristics are, um, I think are a lot you know a lot of what we need to look at to answer that question. But if I take your question a different way, uh, and I look at certainly some leaders out there, you know you are seeing uh, hospital and health system leaders who get this, and who are really shifting the mix of their revenue and the mix of their risk. Um, in a way that's material and creating new types of organizations, it's not everybody, but you're seeing a few. So, and you're seeing, you know, health plans who are becoming consumer companies, um, not just those who have been involved in big transactions, but those who are making themselves more retail oriented, um, or you know, are becoming uh, more of a service because they have a core competency that can actually be useful in the next world. So, there are a few, and I think. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say that there are a number of them who are at the summit, which is great. I will say, though, that um, seeing what Amazon has been able to do, uh, I think we will see some really major players come in after they study the industry for a while and pick those pieces that they see as being most relevant and important to the consumer and pick up those pieces, put them together and make them happen for the consumer and those businesses might look nothing like what a health plan looks like today, or what a health system, a typical health system looks like today. Um, so, I, you know, it's kind of cheating, Sam, but I think there's a bit of a mix of an answer to that question.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot we could do with that. Let me, let me take it in, in two directions. I'll, I'll start with, with one of them. Uh, I think you make a really interesting point about empathy, which is, you know, as much as we are all consumers, um, if you don't really have a kind of deep understanding of not just the decisions that people make and why, it's hard it, it, It's hard to be a kind of company that actually sort of understands where they're going and how they're evolving, right? It's really important to understand not just what decisions people make, but how uh, and why they do so and what their kind of life context is. And you know, I was struck. I had the, the privilege of attending the the Women's Confab for the first time this year. It's been a topic area in which Oliver Wyman's doing some research, you know, we're thinking a lot about women's leadership. And and healthcare is this interesting kind of dichotomy of, you know, we have research that shows that somewhere between 70 and 80 percent of healthcare decisions are actually made by women. They are the family decision maker when it comes to healthcare. Um, certainly, the workforce in healthcare in many areas is predominantly women. You know, nursing has historically been a female-dominated profession, but even med schools—we now have six out of ten people graduating from med school are women. Um, but you look up and you look up and see, you know, not just the C-suite, but I think the people who are shaping products, the people who are driving these consumer strategies. Um, and while we're making strides, there's they're still predominantly men there. And uh, how in your mind do you resolve that dichotomy? How do you think about, you know, sort of making the people make decisions and design products and strategies look more like the consumers who are actually buying them?
0: Well, I'd like to think that we're making progress, Sam. (laughs) So we are working on how we start tracking what that progress looks like. Um, You know, the reality is uh, we have lived in a world where we have um, been extraordinarily siloed, right? So we've been able to live within our walls of not just our own hospital or health system, but within our community of hospitals and health systems. We've not needed to really engage so much with the health plan. Um, outside of contracting uh, what's you know even what we're seeing with the transactions that have happened, the relationships that are necessary to really push forward um, into the next you know vision of where we are, where we're going uh, requires connection and I think uh, women in particular um, are good connectors. We think we're, we're natural connectors we think a lot about uh, where we can drive things through relationships. So I do think that there's uh, we'll see more change going forward. Um I you know, in addition to whether it's female or male diversity, we just have a diversity issue in general if, when you start to look at the people we're serving and kind of who we are um, as an industry. So I know the industry is thinking a lot about that. Um certainly, our leadership is thinking a lot about uh, trying to drive more diverse thinking into um, even what we do at the summit, um, to try to pull folks in who um, have experience and can share where they're coming from, certainly from the Medicaid and underserved community health centers and public hospitals. Um, and that's, you know, there's a lot to how we can try to put those types of perspectives together, whether they sit on an executive team together or they um, materialize in some sort of partnership, yeah. we think that's critical.
2: Sort of the other angle on this, I take is you know, we're making strides in terms of whom we engage in leadership within healthcare, but but you also hinted at something that I think is hugely important, which is you know the blurs the 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 boundaries for what a healthcare company is um, are blurring um, and are blurring pretty rapidly and. Um, Again, it comes from this kind of consumer-centric view where consumers think about their health, not necessarily their care. Um, Their care is one component about their health and sort of, you know, whether it's mom and assisted living or it's how they eat or it's um, the kind of coverage they're getting or the fact that they've lost their job or, um, you know, whether they're picking up their prescription in the middle of the night or Amazon's delivering it to them or whatever it might be. You know, that all creates a kind of holistic health experience for them and all of those decisions are interrelated, and I, I found it really interesting this year at the summit, um, the number of companies that were there, and including on stage, um, that we might not have called healthcare companies or even health companies just a few years ago, you know, Google was on your main stage um, having a real discussion about Google Cloud and healthcare and maybe I'll start with a narrow angle on it, but it's actually a broad question. Um, how do you decide, you know, who's who's ready to come into the conversation as a healthcare company? And, you know, uh, underneath that, you know, how do you think about those boundaries?
0: That's a big question. So um, we're big believers, and as I think many are, that uh, there are skill sets and certainly technologies um, and approaches and ways of doing things that are... Um, pervasive in other industries or that are really supercharging other industries that we in healthcare are studying and we're trying to adopt um, in some way, shape or form, but we have a hard time getting our hands around sort of how to do it the right way. And uh, obviously a lot of what I uh, think about when I say those words are technologies. So um, we look at where where there are basic technologies that are Um, fueling other industries that could fuel ours. So whether it's Google, a lot of what Apple's been working on, um, and if you talk to Anish Chopra, you know, Apple could be in the position to help really shift how we think about what's possible, Um, and others. And we want that kind of um, discussion to happen where we in healthcare can see that the technology can algorithmic there's not a good verb for that, but use all of its algorithms to kind of get to a place where um, it does the line share of the work. And we as healthcare and healthcare workers and clinicians, um, caretakers, et cetera, can actually really focus on the person in front of us who's having the issue and the relationships that are necessary to manage those through those situations. So, you know, we, we look at what the enablers are, first and foremost, I'll say one more thing, Sam. Um, In addition to technology, which is obviously huge, uh, we also think a lot about just where the adjacencies are um, in going a little bit more upstream. So how do we think about the food companies and others who um, have the power to really influence what's happening in healthcare um, in ways that we don't quantify today, um, that we don't necessarily see a business case for in our industry, but that are kind of obvious from a public health level perspective. Uh, We haven't gone down the road of um, getting into food prescriptions and um, a lot of what's happening in that space in a deep way, but we think a lot about that as well.
2: So speaking of power, uh, which seems to be a theme here in our conversation today, let me ask you my question that I ask uh, everybody who joins us on the podcast. uh, If you had all the power, you, Julie Murchison, um, with no Restrictions on the resources, the money, the talent, the time, um, to fix one thing in healthcare. What would you do,
0: oh, Sam? It's such a hard question. Um, you know me; I come from more the IT side, so well. I would give anything to have pervasive access to information at the point of care or at any point along the way, um, or all the incentives aligned. And all the things we talk about in healthcare all the time. Um. You know, I would want us to really focus on and I would fuel and fund and uh, try to make happen, um, breaking down the barriers and pulling back together uh, mental, behavioral and clinical health and thinking about it in a much more preventative way. And what scares me a little bit about my perspective on the answer to the question is a lot of what we need to be focused on in healthcare care um, really starts with uh, who we are as people, and our health, and our understanding of um, what's good for us, what's right for us. Uh, uh, working with other industries um, on, you know, thinking about what's right for the. Cons- well, I shouldn't say right for, but what consumers want that consumer that's right for our overall societal spend. And when I just step back from that, I think that if you actually fuse things together, like mental behavior and clinical care, as a starting point. That wouldn't be my hope, hope and dream, but as a starting point, you actually start to see businesses develop around serving those needs. And that would be serving the needs of the whole person. Who do we present and how happy are we? Are we lonely? Are we living in, in a, a situation that does not really um, help our health? Are we financially sound? All these things we would, very naturally start to look at how do we really help this person thrive as a person and that could have a big impact on health care at the end of the day maybe not the impact on health care that our incumbents are looking for um, but certainly you know more towards that vision of consumer driven care
2: that certainly sounds like a better world to me Julie Murchison from Health Evolution thank you for joining us here on the podcast it's a great conversation and keep up the good work
0: Thanks, Sam. Always great to talk to you.
1: The Oliver Wyman Health Podcast is brought to you by the global management consulting firm, Oliver Wyman. For more information on today's episode, visit health.oliverwyman.com, follow us on Twitter at OWHealthEditor, and subscribe on iTunes.